Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Gopi Janabala Bhagiri Varanhari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Gopi Janabala Bhagiri Varadhari Yashoda Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Yashoda Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Jamuna Tirambanachari Jamuna Tirambanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Gopi Janabala Bhagiri Varadhari Yashoda Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Yashoda Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Jamuna Tirambanachari Jamuna Tirambanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Gopi Janabala Bhagiri Varadhari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Gopi Janabala Bhagiri Varadhari Gopi Premanandi Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaiva Narotamam Devim Saraswatim Vyasam Tato Jayam Udirayan 
Nastaprayeshvabhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavati Uttama Sloke Bhakti Bhavati Naishtuki Reading this morning, we'll recite chapter 1, canto 1, verse 1 of the Bhagavatam. This is a great place to start if you're going to memorize the entire Bhagavatam. Janma yasya yaton vayadatara tascharteshu abhigyasvarad Kene brahma hridaya adikavaye muhyanti yatsurayaha Kene Brahma Hridaya Adikavaye Muyantiyat Suraya Tejovari Madamyata Veni Mayo Yatra Tri Sargom Risha Tejovari Madam Damna Swena Sadana Rastakuhakam Satyam Param Dimahi Jan Madhyasya Yaton Vayadharatas Charteshu Abhigyaswarat Tene Brahma Hridaya Adikavaye Muyanti Yatsurayaha Tejo vari medam yata veni mayo yatra tri sargom risha. Dhamna swena sadana rasta kuhakam satyam param dimahi. Okay, would like to chant? Chan Madhyasya Yaton Vayad Itaratas Charteshwa Bigyaswara Ene Brahma Hridaya Adikavaye Muyanti Yatsuraya Tejo vari medam yatabini mayo yatratri sargom risha. Damna swena sada nirasta kuhakam satyam param dimahi. Jan Madhyasya Yaton Vayad Itaratas Charteshwa Bigyaswarat Tene Brahma Hridaya Adikavaye Muhyanti Yatsurayaha 
Tejovari mirdam yatavini mayo yatratri sargom risha. Damna svena sada nirasta kuhakam satyam param dimahi. Aratas Charteshwa Bigyaswarat Pene Brahma Hridaya Adi Kavaye Muyanti Yatsurayaha Tene bari medam yatavini mayo yatratri sargom risha. Dhamna swena sada nirasta kuhakam sadyam param dimahi. Right, translation. O my Lord, Sri Krishna, son of Vasudev, O all-pervading personality of Godhead, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. I meditate upon Lord Sri Krishna because he is the absolute truth and the primeval cause of all causes of creation, sustenance, and destruction of the manifested universes. He is directly and indirectly conscious of all manifestations, and he is independent because there is no other cause beyond him. It is he only who first imparted Vedic knowledge unto the heart of Brahmaji, the original living being. By him, even the great sages and demigods are placed into illusion, as one is bewildered by the illusory representations of water seen in fire or land seen on water. Only because of him do the material universes, temporarily manifested by the reactions of the three modes of nature, appear factual, although they are unreal. I therefore meditate upon him, Lord Sri Krishna, who is eternally existent in the transcendental abode, which is forever freed from the illusory representations of the material world. I meditate upon him, for he is the absolute truth. Joy. Srimad <laughs> Bhagavatam begins with three invocation verses. This is this verse is about Krishna, and then the next verse is about Srimad Bhagavatam. Dharma Projita Kaitravo Traparamonya Kicking out all uh, materially motivated religious practice, Srimad Bhagavatam expounds the highest truth. And then the third verse is about how to understand Srimad Bhagavatam through the disciplic succession. So these three verses are spoken by Vyasadeva, although he refers to himself in this verse, in the uh, third verse of this, this great Bhagavatam, or second verse. It was spoken by the sage Vyasa in his maturity. So he, he says that because he's both the narrator, but he's also a character in the drama. It's like when Satsuk Maharaj writes the Lilamrita, you know, he has to write about himself, but he writes about himself in the third person. Steve did this, and Steve said that. So anyway, this is how Bhagavatam begins, without any of the, um, the plot, so to speak. This begins with these three invocation verses, all beautiful verses. So we are not even at the point yet 
of reading these invocation verses. We're just reading the preliminary, which is quite lengthy. <laughs> you, you finished the 12th canto some time ago, not too long ago? How, how long did it take you to go through all 12 cantos? 20 years. Oh, only 18 or 19. <laughs> it takes a lot of patience. and I, I guess other than mature not, no one attended all the classes, right? The only one who stayed for all the classes. <laughs> all right, so the uh, uh, Prabhupada begins this um, uh, introduction to the Bhagavatam with this long life sketch of Lord Chaitanya, so we'll continue reading. Uh, the Lord, after accepting the sannyas order, at once wanted to start for Vrindavan. For three continuous days, he traveled in Radhadesh, places where the Ganges does not flow, he was in full ecstasy over the idea of going to Vrindavan. However, Srila Nityananda diverted his path and brought him instead to the house of Advaita Prabhu in Shantipur. The Lord stayed at Sri Advaita Prabhu's house for a few days, and knowing well that the Lord was leaving his hearth and home for good, Advaita Prabhu sent his men to Navadweep to bring Mother Sachi to have a last meeting with her son. Some unscrupulous people say that Lord Chaitanya met with his wife also after taking sannyas and offered her his wooden slipper for worship. The authentic sources give no information about such a meeting. His mother met him at the house of Advaita Prabhu, and when she saw her son in sannyas, she lamented. By way of compromise, she requested her son to make his headquarters in Puri, so she would easily be able to get information about him. The Lord granted this last desire of his beloved mother. After this incident, the Lord started for Puri, leaving all the residents of Navadweep in an ocean of lamentation over his separation. So the um, appearance of Advaita, I mean of uh, Nityananda Prabhu, has this, this history we were talking about a little last night. And um, Lord Ram uh, was banished to the forest by his father, Dasara. Lakshman, his brother, said, don't go. He said, you should stay and fight for the kingdom. It's yours. But Ram said, no, I'm going. And then when Sita said, I want to go with you, Lakshman said, don't take Sita, just be trouble. He said, no, I'm, I'm going to take Sita. So Lakshman was saying, in my next life, I'm going to be the older brother. You've got to listen to me. So the next life, he was Balaram. And... Yeah, Balaram told Krishna, don't take sides in this battle. And so Krishna said, well, I'll be on one side and my arm will be on this. And Balaram said, I'm leaving. <laughs> Still wouldn't listen to him. So he went out on pilgrimage. So the next time around, he said, I'm just doing whatever I want. <laughs> so this is Lord Nityananda. See, uh, Lord Chaitanya was... Uh, wanting to go to Vrindavan as soon as he took sannyas. So Lord Nityananda said, yes, I'll, I'll help you get there. So he went ahead and told some cowherd boys, that when you see the sannyasi coming by, tell him that the Ganges here is the Jamuna. And so as they were walking, Lord Nityananda said, oh, there's the Jamuna just over there. And, and Lord Chaitanya said, the Jamuna, this is the Ganges. And he asked the boys, and they said, it's the Jamuna. <laughs> and then... Up comes Advaita Acharya on a boat. And Lord Chaitanya said, Advaita, what are you doing in Vrindavan? 
And the waiter very diplomatically said, My Lord, wherever you are, that is Vrindavan. So please come to my house and take some prasad. So this was Lord Nityananda's uh, role with Lord Chaitanya. He was the avidut, doing whatever he wanted. And <clears throat> Lord Chaitanya, uh, he did not consider Lord Chaitanya needed to have a danda, so he just broke it and threw it in the river. He uh, was sent to Bengal to preach, but then he would keep coming back. And in this way, he just did whatever he wanted. This is the role of Lord Nityananda. Uh, when Lord Chaitanya left, all the residents of Navadweep were quite shocked. You know, this is the nature of, excuse me, of spiritual relationships. There is Samboga and Vipralamba. Samboga means we're enjoying together in each other's company. And Vipralamba means we're separating. So these two things are in constant uh, constantly stress the heart of the devotee. It's like when, when Lord Krishna was finished with the battle of Kurukshetra, he left, and, to, and getting Yudhisthira established on the throne, he left Hastinapur and went to, to Dwarka. So all the residents of Hastinapur were suffering. Kunti stopped him for a few days. Yudhisthira stopped him for a few days. But eventually everything was resolved and he left. So they were all feeling so envious of the devotees in Dwarka. And in Dwarka, they were so happy to see the Lord after a long separation. So there's this ebb and flow of association and separation. This is actually what punctuates our spiritual life. It draws out emotions from our hearts that that we may not have known were there. And uh, it's very painful and intense. When we are separated particularly from uh, from the Lord or his devotee in an unexpected way. This is the most difficult. When Akura, for example, came to pick up Krishna on behalf of Kamsa, Kamsa had told him this whole, okay, I want you to go and bring him here, and then we'll set him up with the elephant, Kuvala Yapida, that will kill him. And if somehow he escapes the elephant, then he'll go in the wrestling ring. And my wrestlers, Chanur and Mushtika, they will kill him. And this way, I'll be rid of this thorn in my side. So Akura was a Brahmin, a very trusted person. Many of the residents of Mathura had left after Kamsa took the throne. But Akura had stayed, and he was this respectable Brahmin. So Kamsa was sure that if, if he told Krishna to come, that Krishna would naively come, and then he could take care of him. So Akura said, before leaving, he said, uh, you know, Kamsa, that, that uh, we make plans, but you never know how they're going to come out. <laughs> Indirectly, he's putting a little curse <laughs> on Kamsa's plan. Uh, so then he went to Vrindavan, he accepted the, the commission to do this, not because he wanted to serve Kamsa, but because he wanted to see Krishna. And Kamsa gave, here's a brand new chariot for you, so it would not be contaminated by any other, other use. So it was a brand new model. And he's driving to Vrindavan, so happy, thinking about seeing Krishna and Balaram. And he's, then he sees footprints in the sand, and they have all the marks of Krishna's lotus feet, and gets down from his chariot and rolls, and he's so happy. And then he goes on to the house of Nanda Maharaj. 
So he's not at all uh, confidential about his purpose there. As soon as he is received and rested and fed, he, uh, he uh, is asked, so how are things in Mathura? Surely it must be very difficult to be there with Kamsa in charge. So Akura immediately spills the beans. He says, oh yes, we're, I'm just here to pick you up so Kamsa can kill you in this way and that way. And all of them, Krishna and Balaram and Nanda Maharaj, they all just started laughing and laughing hysterically when they heard this. <laughs> it wasn't the, uh, <laughs> wasn't the response Akura was expecting. So Nanda Maharaj sent his constable, go out now and tell everybody, oh, there's going to be a festival in Mathura tomorrow. <laughs> so bring your, t- bring your uh, ghee and we'll pay our tax and then there'll be some entertainment that Kamsa is going to provide. <laughs> so, so the next day, Akura takes the boys on his chariot and starts for Vrindavan, I mean for Mathura. And when the gopis saw this, they had absolutely no prior knowledge or even could not even imagine how it could be possible for Krishna to, to leave Vrindavan. He was just a fixture. He was a, a star in the firmament. You would expect to see every single time you looked up. And he was the center of their whole existence. So you can imagine how stunned they were. They, they were uh, so stunned that they stood as still as paintings just looking at and as Akura drove Krishna away. And so Krishna, seeing their condition, sent a message back. Don't worry, I will, I will be back. So technically he never did come back <laughs> to Vrindavan, although there's, there's some pastimes where it's said that he did. But um, the, the gopis were left in this feeling of Vipralamba Seva. Uh, so I once asked Satsurup Maharaj, I was, I was shaving his head, after he had come back from being Prabhupada's secretary. He was my mentor and party leader. So he'd been there to be with Srila Prabhupada, serving Prabhupada. And then he'd come back to do book distribution with us. And uh, so I asked him, which, is, which do you like better? Because all of us were just always hankering, oh, to be with Prabhupada, how wonderful that would be. And he immediately said, oh, service and separation is the highest ecstasy. <laughs> So I didn't really believe him. <laughs> I thought he was just, you know, pacifying, pacifying me. But um, later I read about his, when he was with Prabhupada, it was actually a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety for him. So he was actually very happy to be back. <laughs> so um, we want the Samboga, but the Vipralamba is where we make the advancement, the separation. Again, in the Gopi's case, for example, um, so Krishna went to Mathura and he didn't come back and he got very occupied there. He released his, he killed Kamsa, released his parents from jail. And when they were released from jail, his parents said, okay, now you need to go to school. <laughs> and so he went off to Sandipani Muni's ashram in Ujjain. And there he uh, learned all the arts and science. So he was very occupied and feeling concerned that he, the gopis were having these intense feelings of separation, he asked his, his cousin, Uddhava, please go and see them. So Uddhava went to Vrindavan, and, when he, and he drove to the 
house of Nanda Maharaj and left his chariot out front. So when the gopis saw the chariot, they thought, oh great, a courier has come back. What does he want now? Does he want us to just like kill ourselves? He's already destroyed our lives by taking Krishna. Now what does he want? You know, the, the word, the name Akura means one who is not cruel. And yet the gopis considered him so cruel for creating this separation that he, they, uh, they condemned him. But then they saw this very handsome uh, young man come out of Nanda Maharaj's house who looked just like Krishna. So being naive and simple village girls, they all just gathered around him and stared. In the, <clears throat> when my wife and I took our daughters to Mayapur some years ago. They were eight and ten years old. And uh, the, the simple local people would just gather around and stare at them. They hadn't seen blonde hair before, and the girls were just like so uh, <clears throat> self-conscious and uncomfortable with it. But the, the simple village girls in Vrindavan just came and stared, and Akura didn't quite know what to make of it. I mean, excuse me, uh, Uddhava didn't quite know what to make of it. So he was in the um, mood of Mathura in this awe and reverence relationship with Krishna. And the gopis were in this entirely different mood of familiarity and conjugal love. And he had never understood or experienced this before. So he started observing the residents of Vrindavan kind of behaving in very unusual ways. Uh, just talking about Krishna incessantly, asking if Krishna remembered them, uh, being angry at him, being apologetic for being angry with him. (laughs) All of these conflicting, tumultuous emotions. And then he gave them a message that Krishna had sent. He said, Krishna has sent this message that you know that I am in everything. And everything has been created by me. So therefore, what is the question of being separated from me? You feel like you're separated, but actually I'm everywhere all around you. So what's the question of being separated? And the gobis thought, oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> they were, <clears throat> they were temporary, temporarily uh, pacified by that argument. And so later... Much later, the residents of Vrindavan went to Kurukshetra where they met with the Yadus and Krishna. And so, when the gopis saw Krishna there in Kurukshetra, they said, uh, they, they were not happy with him, let's put it that way. They were a little upset with him. And then Krishna tried the same argument. I said, oh, you, how are, you were never really separated from me. <laughs> I'm there in my external energy. And the gopi said, we're not buying that this time. <laughs> we're not taking that again. <laughs> Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. <laughs> so uh, this is separation. When the thoughts of the beloved become so um, intense that the lover can think of nothing else. So this is how Mother Sachi was feeling, seeing her son in sannyas. She had already lost one son to this renounced life. And he left and he never came back. She didn't even hear anything of her son, her older son. Uh, and then Vishwarup. And then, then her, her husband died. So her, her son 
Chaitanya, Lord Chaitanya was the only one left in your life. And yet for the higher purpose, he very easily and quickly accepted the renounced order. So people in general would not uh, offend him, but would respect, offer respect to the Supreme Personality of Godhead and thus uh, promote their spiritual lives. So Sachi Mata got the brunt of this decision. And I had waited to Prabhu's arrangement. She came to see him and made this petition, please, please uh, don't go traveling where I'll never hear of you again, at least be in Puri so occasionally I, I can get some news. Uh, you know, we're so used to, our whole lives we've grown up with instantaneous communication. Uh, and it's very hard for us to kind of envision how life would be without it. So, but these these people, these great devotees, they were dependent on just whatever they would hear from others walking and carrying messages. So it was... It was highly unpredictable and inefficient. And yet their whole lives could hinge around the message that they might receive. So this was Sachi's uh, request, and he agreed. Then later, uh, when he was in Puri, he sent a message to his mother, because every day she would cook prasada and then offer it to him and uh, in absentia. And Lord Chaitanya sent the message that I am getting these Offerings every day. Please tell my mother, thank you very much. So he took sannyas for the higher purpose, and yet he cared for his mother uh, as, as much as possible under the circumstances. But not just her, but all the residents of Navadweep were, were uh, just devastated. In the, the life story of Narottam Das Thakur, uh, when he was, some years later, retracing all of these uh, places of Lord Chaitanya's pastimes after the Lord had disappeared. It, 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 when he would go, he would just find the places in a state of devastation because of this, this feeling of separation. There was nothing. What had been prosperous cities were now almost abandoned uh, towns and uh, villages. And there would be some old person here or there who would have some memories and guide him around, tell him about what happened here, what Lord Chaitanya did there, all of these these pastimes. So that is the only relief, the only succor for the devotee in separation. It's just to hear about Krishna and try to to um, revive their their feelings for him, or try to assuage their their separation. So, any comments on this part, in this paragraph on separation? I mean, it's very poignant here in Dallas for me to come with Tamal Krishna Maharaj's presence is so strongly felt. And I remember how devastated the separation was for everybody and how Krishna has some higher purpose. You know, so these are real real feelings. My question is not very common. So what is our goal this to be Narayana Smriti, that is our goal, to remember Krishna at the time of death. So how how we do that largely depends on our relationships with the devotees around us. You know, in in uh, Alacho, one of my god brothers, uh Prabhu took us out on this trip, uh, this our little summer trip to New Vrindavan in May, 
he wasn't feeling well on the way back. And then uh, a few days later, he's diagnosed with like terminal leukemia, just like that. So um, all the devotees are just going there, doing kirtan, and people who, who don't know him but want to help out. This is how we benefit from this. This is our should be our goal actually to be enmeshed in a network of loving relationships with Vaishnavas so we can support them and they can support us when we need them. Bhaktivedanta Maharaj wrote very nicely, he said, be nice to the devotees around you because they'll probably be the people you die with. <laughs> Buji? Um, this uh, concept of uh, separation in and of itself, um, at least, at least to me, and I've heard it mentioned several times also that it is in by itself. It seems to be very unwanted. Um, some bhog or meeting, it almost seems that it comes in waves. Mm-hmm. You know, there's separation followed by meeting, followed by separation, yeah. followed by meeting, and that. That builds the ecstasy of a loving relationship, but uh, to be constantly separated, it seems, uh, is a very hard, at least for me, to to accept. Yeah. That. Uh, uh, so is that is that appropriate to actually hope for for meeting rather than to hope for separation? I mean. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Sounds like Queen Kunti praying for difficulties. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you make that prayer, then you have to take the consequences. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we, we, we don't have to pray for separation. It will come on its own. <laughs> so we should value Samboga when we have it. And uh, that applies again to our guru, uh, as well as to all of the devotees in our lives. Every, every time we have the chance to associate with them, it's a precious opportunity. And, and we make the most of it so that we don't end up, um, you know, regretting. Oh, I wish I had said this. I wish I had done that. Just try to make the most of every opportunity. You know, when Krishna left the gopis in Vrindavan, can I talk about that for a moment? It's, it's relevant. It's a beautiful section of the Bhagavatam. So um, the gopis gathered when they heard his flute. And then they got a little proud. Oh, we're the most fortunate women in the universe. And then he left. So then they were just so aghast. Each one of them had come racing to be with Krishna first for some boga. And they really didn't give a damn about any of the other ones. <laughs> they just wanted to be with Krishna first. Right? But they all came together. <clears throat> Krishna left them all. And then together they went through the night. They were enacting Krishna's pastimes. They were remembering. They were talking about him. And then eventually they saw his footprints with one gopi, who was Radharani, although she's not mentioned. And they said, oh, that's why Krishna left us, because he wanted to be alone with this one gopi. And they were like crime scene investigators. He stood over here, and there he's reaching up. His toe print went deeper in the ground. He was getting some flowers for her hair. And they went over here, and then all of a sudden her footprints disappear. And so they were, they were just imagining all these things. And then all of a sudden, Radharani comes. And she said, yes, you were exactly right. Um, 
I got a little proud too. I thought, oh, Krishna likes me best of all. And so uh, he left. He said, come here. So I said, Krishna, I'm tired. Give me a ride on your shoulders. And he said, all right, come over here. <laughs> and then when she came, he just disappeared. <laughs> so she then joined the gopis in their separation. And uh, together, all together, they went as far as they could go in the forest, and it was just too dark, they couldn't see anything. So they went and sang their song of separation in one unified voice. So when they were all together and all on the same page, then Krishna came back. See, They had all initially wanted Krishna just for themselves, but when they were all in separation from Krishna and united by that feeling, then Krishna came back. So then they were very cautious very cautious about how to deal with Krishna at this point. <laughs> so at the same time, they're very curious how this had happened. So they very tactfully said, uh, Krishna, some people are loved and they give love back. And some people are loved and they don't give love back. And, and some people give love even when they're not loved in return. So how do you explain all of this? <laughs> so, of course, they were implying that they were giving love to Krishna, but then he had not reciprocated. That's what they were really wanting to know. How could you have done this? <laughs> but they asked in this philosophical way. So then Krishna answers in a very interesting way. He says, the, um, if if you give love only when you are loved, that's not really love, it's a business deal. And if you give love, even when the love is not reciprocated, why that's the quality of either a true friend or a parent or a saint. All of us with teenagers know exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> but um, those who don't reciprocate when they are given love. They are either very selfish or they're atmarama, they're self-satisfied with, within themselves. They don't need others' affection. But then he said, but as far as, you, as, far as your love for me is concerned, <laughs> he said, sometimes the beloved will be away from the lover just to increase their taste increase their feelings of love. And as far as your love for me, he said, I could never possibly reciprocate it. So therefore, your love for me will have to be its own reward. So um, separation increases the feelings of affection for the one that we're separated from, and that is its own reward. This is why the Acharyas pointed this as the highest type of, of uh, love of, of Krishna. So we should not feel like Krishna is punishing us. In some way or another, he's drawing out our affection. Just, just one more quick example. When Prabhupada was leaving this world, uh, the devotees were begging him to stay, please, and he, because he, he had stopped eating. And it was just a matter of days. And he said, please eat something. He said, if Krishna desires... All right, and he, he, you know, he said, "I can't make you suffer so much grief and, and anxiety." So 
he began eating again, but then after a few days he stopped. So the point is he was also drawing out the disciples' love by agreeing to stay and then saying it was Krishna's will. They'd bring him some medicine, he'd take it, yes, yes, for a day or two, and then he would stop. They'd get hope, and then they'd get disappointment, and hope and disappointment. In this way, they became almost mad in affection for Prabhupada. So uh, Vipralamba is very powerful and nothing to be uh, you know, afraid of. It just means that we'll be able to think of Krishna all the time if we're actually feeling that separation. All right, so any other comments? Prabhuji? There's a microphone. Yeah, I was also thinking in certain cases, and I'm speaking of myself, um, sometimes we have this these relationships. We're in association, and we take them for granted, become so familiar with them, and we the value of this precious relationship is kind of like diminished. And then when we're in a situation where we're removed from that, you know, we realize, wow, you realize what you really lost, and it, and is that the intensity? And I was also thinking, like the sometimes the parent, me also having been a parent with you know three girls, and then they're just going crazy. They're they're they're, they're pulling each other's hair, and they're getting into all these little things. And you're like, oh, you know, you're in anxiety. And then they go to school, and and you're like, oh, you just you just you had it. <laughs> and then you go to school, and everything is quiet and peaceful, and you're like. You're missing them. You're wondering what they're doing. If someone's, you know, so it builds up, and you're constantly thinking of their safety and the love. So I was making that. I was thinking that also. We, excuse me. Yes, we do experience this in our ordinary relationships. Like, like Dharma Prabhu, I'm sure you're just a wash in separation with your wife and daughter in Singapore, right? Well, you're smiling. <laughs> Okay, any other comments on this? So it's uh, almost 8.30. Should we read a little bit more? I feel guilty we didn't make a lot of progress. There's about 50 pages to go. (laughs) There's one more little paragraph here. The Lord visited many important places on the way to Puri, he visited the temple of Gopinath, who had stolen condensed milk for his devotee. Srila Madhavendra Puri, excuse me, for his devotee, Srila Madhavendra Puri. The Lord relished this story with great pleasure. The propensity of stealing is there even in the absolute consciousness. But because this propensity is exhibited by the absolute, it loses its perverted nature and thus becomes worshipable, even by Lord Chaitanya, on the basis of the absolute consideration that the Lord and his stealing propensity are one and identical. This interesting story of Gopinath is vividly explained in the Chaitanya Charitamrita by Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. His stealing propensity. It said that one should spend his morning with thieves, his afternoons with gamblers, and his evening with monkeys. <laughs> the monkeys are, of course, the Ramayana. The gamblers are the Mahabharata, and the thieves are the Bhagavata. Because Krishna is always stealing. See, there's like three paintings there involving stealing. But when Krishna steals, it is for the benefit of his devotee. That's even Lord Chaitanya enjoyed hearing how Krishna 
uh, Chirachor Gopinath took the sweet rice and hid it. And briefly, the story was Madhavendra Puri saw this sweet rice and thought, oh, I'd like to offer this to Gopal. And they thought, oh my gosh, I'm lusting over this boga before it's even offered. I must fast. And so that night, the Pujari had a dream that there's a great devotee visiting me, Madhavendra Puri, and I've hidden the sweet rice. It's over here in this area of the altar. So the Pujari woke up from this vivid dream and he went and looked and there was the sweet rice. And so he went out in the middle of the night and went out in the marketplace. A great devotee, Madhavendra Puri, you are the most fortunate person. Where are you? He's calling and calling. And finally, Madhavendra Puri heard him and came. <clears throat> he told him the whole story. So he gave him this pot of sweet rice and uh, <clears throat> called Amrita Kali. And uh, he ate the sweet rice and then he kept the pot and he ate a little piece every day of the pot to uh, remember this mercy of the Lord. Okay, any other? Yes, Prabhuji. Prabhuji, thank you so much. Wonderful class. Um, the last section you read um, helped me with something that I've been struggling with for a long time, and that is the uh, when, when Srila Prabhupada was present and devotees, uh, I think Tamal Krishnamaraj, he had a nice suite that was from Srila Prabhupada's plate, and he saved it, and it was on his plate. And another devotee came and swiped it, took it, and ate it right away. <laughs> and so uh, Tamal Krishnamaraj was very upset about that, you know, jumps on the devotee. Prabhupada said, Oh, he's doing very well. He's making advancement. <laughs> and I, I could never reconcile that with why would Srila Prabhupada adv- advocate ill behavior? Uh-huh. And this, then this started, and it started a whole thing. <laughs> Devotees would take each other's for shot because it was Maha, right? But I, and I couldn't reconcile that until now. Now I realize that the answer is there, that Prabhupada was in a spiritual consciousness, uh-huh. and he understood that the absolute steals. Mm. And that if Krishna steals, it's purified. So it's not really stealing. Mm. So if devotees are, are, are stealing, so-called stealing, um, you know, amongst themselves, that's not really stealing. It's because it, it's prashadam and it's absolute. Is that correct? Um, yeah. Although it has its limits. It's, it may be absolute, but it has its limits. <laughs> um, <clears throat> You know, Prabhupada could express different things on different occasions uh, to, for the, according to the particular need of the particular disciple. So maybe in some ways this was his way of saying you shouldn't take it so seriously. You know, and, and uh, <clears throat> this loving kind of relationship, interaction among devotees is, is sweet. Even when Lord Chaitanya <clears throat> went to the house of Advaitacharya, you know, Lord Nityananda and the way Charya got in a big fight at some point where Lord Nityananda was throwing prasadam. Ah, you, I broke my fast. I've been fasting so long. I thought I was going to eat today, but you haven't even half filled my belly. And Lord and Wade Charya said, "What kind of, what kind of a Paramahamsa are you? You know, <clears throat> reject Paramahamsa. <clears throat> Just travel around trying to fill your belly. Just take whatever food I can offer and go." <laughs> So they were enjoying this joking relationship. Um, you know, Prabhupada just had different ways of dealing. I, I had one opportunity for some boga with Prabhupada. One time I got to bring in his plate for lunch. And my you know, since I'd become a brahmacharya, I was just hoping for this opportunity to be with Prabhupada. And 
All of a sudden, I got this, and I brought in the plate to his room, and he just looked at me and said nothing. And then, uh, then he rang the bell, <clears throat> and I came and got the plate. Again, he looked at me and said nothing. And I closed the door, thinking, all right, Prabhupada's remnants. And then Brahmananda opened the door across the hall. Where's Prabhupada's plate? <laughs> so this whole Samboga experience was like kind of... <laughs> but I got it. And then, then the next day, uh, Prabhupada told the cook, why are so many men staying back from book distribution to cook for me? You know, I mean, I was on book distribution full time. I had one day off. It was... <laughs> And this was, this was the message back from Prabhupada. <laughs> the Vani was more important than the Vatu. So, uh, the Guru can give us what we need. And it's very hard to understand exactly what that is. What's good for one person may not be good for the other. Have you tried, ever tried this? Stealing prasadam from somebody's plate? Because you're you're an attorney and you understand the legal ramifications. <laughs> this is what friends do, huh? This is a friend circle. <laughs> well, don't try this at home. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Shrimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai.